A rivalry develops between a teenage Australian heiress and a spoiled English girl. Somebody write this. And welcome to Somebody Write This, where we use a random plot generator to give us an idea, and then we brainstorm how that could be a thing somebody might want to write. I'm Hannah. And I'm Kirsten. Kirsten is here as our co-host, our guest co-host again this week, subbing in for Jenny. We're so glad she's here. She's going to go ahead and introduce our guest. All right. To help us with our brainstorming today, we have a guest. Let's welcome Carrie Kreitzer. Hi. Hey. Thanks for having me. Carrie, we're so glad you're here. When we were talking before the podcast, you you talked about how you have a special love for young adult fiction. And I, I do. Our, our podcast today, our, our brainstorming is going to take us in that direction. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about why this, why this resonates with you. Um, well, I kind of joked that I feel like I'm still a teenager at heart. It always shocks me when teenagers mention how old they are or even just young adults because I realize, oh my gosh, I am so much older than you. But <laughs> I feel like half the time I feel like I'm maybe a little bit immature, maybe. And I just love the drama. I love the drama you can get away with in young adult. It's just so much fun. So yeah. So you, you read it as well as, and you write it as well. Yeah. So, and I'm kind of rare in the writing world. I feel like a lot of my friends and colleagues who are now authors, they're like, oh, I dreamed my whole life of being an author, but I just always loved reading. And um, I never was like, I'm going to be one. I think I just kind of always was one. I was kind of always making up stories. So I loved reading young adult. Um, and then I just had an idea one day, I was folding laundry, actually, and thought, Oh, this would be a great story and just started writing so yeah. how fascinating yeah I love that. was there a, a book or a series that you read as a young adult yourself as a as a teenager or a, or a middle schooler that uh, really kind of informed the kind of work that you write now I don't know I kind of read a eclectic variety of different things. As a teenager, I was odd. Like my favorite book when I was 17 was Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Yes. And I would like write in my journal to Charlotte Bronte, like, how could you? And then, Aww. oh, yay. So it's kind of funny. My kids make fun of me when they go read that. But um, I also love Janet Oak, who was um, mm. at the time before Regency Romance, uh, you know, is a thing. Um, you could only read Christian romance. That was the only uh -huh. thing they allowed. You either got right. Regency romance that got raunchy, and my mom said no way, or you got Christian romance. So um, <laughs> I love those, but I think that that does kind of influence my romance. My book that is published, I thought it was a romance, and so when they gave me the cover, they were I was really upset. Like this looks scary. This looks like a thriller. My book's a oh, romance, no. and they said no, yours is not a romance. It's a sci-fi thriller. I was like, oh, I had no idea. I Aww. was so focused Aww. on lovey-dovey, kissy-kissy stuff. So, what do you know? I write thriller, <laughs> I guess. That's <laughs> so. funny. I feel like we would have been friends as, as teenagers. Oh, <laughs> let's like, do it. Charlotte let's Bronte be friends. Is exactly, is exactly <laughs> what I would have done yes. um, to my favorite authors. Uh, so as a, an adult writing young adult fiction, I imagine that a lot yes. of this is pulling from your, your, own, uh, your own memories of your 
teenagerdom. I'm curious as to where you found that that wasn't sufficient, that you needed to to modernize it in some way. Were there things that came up oh, for your characters that were not yeah. the case for you as a Of as course. A the biggest thing that I found in writing was I'm writing, you know, dystopian or sci-fi and young adult, but I love the Regency romance type stuff. The biggest thing my editor had a hard time with was contractions. I would always want to say, I am, or, you know, I'm so mm. formal. And they'd be saying, no teenager talks like this. You've got to stop <laughs> it. So that was the biggest issue. And I, instead of trying to fix it, though, I just warned my editor every time. I'm so sorry. You're just going to have to tell me every time because this is how they talk in my head. And there's no getting around it. Sorry. So <laughs> <laughs> so dystopian young adult fiction has like taken off in the last like, 10 years yeah. you know, with Hunger Games and Maze Runner and everything. Yeah. So I, I'd love to love to hear as you write stuff, how do you, what new parts of this speak to you that you're like, oh, this is, this is something that hasn't been done before. What's something that you're still feeling is that you're bringing to the genre that is new and different? Um, that's a hard question because it, it did make querying really hard because that's what I was hearing mm-hmm. from every agent is um, I think one agent's exact words were uh, we're suffering from dystopian fatigue they were they were done with it for a while and um, and you know you even had Maze Runner which was at the tail end of that boom so I I guess I don't really look at you know what is mine bringing or how is mine different I mostly just focus on what do I really love Mm. and I love dystopian I loved the uh, under the never sky I I loved the um, oh what was that one about Delirium. I love the Delirium series. Mm. So yeah, I feel like Hunger Games did kind of set the stage for lots of really great series. And it's sad to me that that ends up taking over this whole, oh, we've had enough of that, or it's saturated, fatigue, people aren't wanting it. But because I think good stories should just get out there and let let people know. I'm curious, you know, this trend might come around again. It might take a break for a little bit and then come back around. And the, the dystopian books written in the meantime might suddenly you know, when it comes back around again, might get the the recognition that maybe they lost uh, from not being trendy enough. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest problem right now is the pandemic. Everyone's living their own uh, <laughs> We're dystopian. In dystopia. So they're like, why would I read about that? Like, That's give me some hope here. So we might need some cheery stuff for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, Carrie, thank you so much for sharing that. That was fascinating. Yeah. And we'll obviously let you plug your book at the end and your books that you're writing. Um, but in the meantime, let's let's jump into our clearly YA-inspired story. Oh, boy. Um, and uh, as a reminder, our plot is uh, a rivalry develops between a teenaged Australian heiress and a spoiled English girl. Right. So, yeah, first thoughts. Where do we need to go? Well, my first thoughts are, are we dealing with a rival between two girls? Is this heiress? It's an heiress. That's a girl, right? Is that, that what is heiress is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that messed with me because I was originally thinking teenage Australian. I pictured some really hunky, long-haired <laughs> teenager. So um, I was really excited about that. But no, we're dealing with an heiress. So that's... Yeah, hunky, long-haired girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Are they going to... I feel like it's pretty cliche. Two girls, are we going to fight over the same guy? What is going to be their rivalry? What is going to be their, what's coming between them? (laughs) And that's what I got to think of. But We have two countries represented here. Right. Is this happening in Australia? Is this happening in England? Is this happening somewhere else? Have they both been sent to a boarding school in Switzerland or something? And like, I'm trying to figure out why these, what what brings these two together? Because maybe that will inform what the rivalry could be. 
Well, and also time frame. I mean, England yeah. and Australia have quite the history already, so we've got to rule out <laughs> time frames there too. Yeah. What's your gut feeling in terms of this? Like, do we think that this could be kind of like a a Regency style romance? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Are we dealing yeah. with? I mean, you're seeing Australian heresy. We're we're clearly going to be done with when Australia was this prison land. So this is the reason I don't ever write Regency romance. I don't feel smart enough, so I have no clue <laughs> when all that happens. I know this vague thing, so I'm googling. Okay, so between 1788 and 1868 is when they were sending convicts there. So we at least have to be past 1868. But to, okay. Australia doesn't do royalty, though. So that's what makes this weird heiress. So she's got to... Well, that doesn't necessarily mean... It doesn't have to be royalty. I think it just means that her, her parent was really rich. Yeah. Um, okay, and so yeah. maybe they maybe they moved out there and have like a really, really profitable... Maybe they bought a bunch of land. Um, and now as it's being developed, it's... I don't know. Maybe they made a bunch... I don't know what resources there are in Australia. <laughs> like whether they made money on oil or on gems or on, on cattle. I have no idea. But it, it, it very well, yeah, it doesn't have to be royalty but it could be maybe he was one of the first people out there to really be developing it um, yeah from where it was and spoiled english girls means she could be super rich too so maybe mm-hmm. they're like i like your idea of a boarding school they're both combat you know competing for this top something i don't know <laughs> yeah i think what's going to be important here is these are on the surface two very possibly similar characters um, right. We have the, both of these, these spoiled teenage rich girl archetypes. So I think we need to have something that is setting them apart, something to differentiate the two of them, whether that's in personality or in life circumstances or in what they are looking for at the school. Maybe one of them, maybe the heiress is wanting to grow up to take over her father's business or, or his whatever enterprises brought him riches. Um, and maybe yeah. the, the spoiled English girl is is happier just to, to be less less looking for independence and more happy to kind of glide along. Right. I agree. There needs to be some sort of conflict. Is, has one of them recently lost their money? Because that's a possible thing. Right. Maybe one of them is at the boarding school. They know that they're going to have to leave because they can no longer afford it. And they're struggling with trying to keep up appearances in front of this other girl. That's true. The, it doesn't actually technically say that the spoiled English girl is wealthy. It just says that yeah. she's spoiled. Right. She could be dirt poor and still be a little brat. That's mm-hmm. true. Or if she grew up with money, was placed in this expensive boarding school, and now finds that she has to leave and is kind of, and that frustration and shame and, and anger that she feels at that can very easily, could, could develop right away into a conflict between somebody else who she perceives to have all the things that she thinks she deserves Ooh. but doesn't get anymore. Yeah. Oh. You know what? I, I merely, what made me think of is you have basically, this would be a retelling of a little princess because you have that rivalry. Yeah. That would be really cool. An Australian teeny bop retelling of little princess to a boarding school where two girls are fighting and you do have that she's treated like a princess Lavinia hates her for it because Mm -hmm. she's always in there and um and then she loses her dad and that's the income and so she's she's put as a slave now a servant so we could have that where halfway through the book that's the midway point where one of their their wealth or their status is shifted and they're not yeah. in the same position anymore. I think there's the potential for that to really be a shift in in raising the emotional stakes as well. Because what can be, I really think that there is something to the idea that she, that the conflict intensifies because it's so difficult for her to be around this other girl who is yeah. getting, who she knows she won't have this anymore. So maybe something that started off as like a friendly rivalry between you know, who's going to get the, the highest grades, who's going to do really well on this extracurricular activity. 
<laughs> right. get to sing in the talent show. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we're talking about bring it on, basically, yeah. too, where you're using cheerleading. That's, that's Little basically, princess bring it on mashing. Bring it on. There you go. I love it. <laughs> Little princess style. Instead of harps, we're throwing people in the air. So, yeah. that and then And thing. then it intensifies and becomes like actually like a, a deeper-seated, uh, almost hatred that she's so angry that, right. that this other girl is going to get everything that she's going to lose. Like, and that can, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, that could be, that could be really interesting. I'm intrigued by that. I am going to pause us and get us a title, which may direct us forward or may be just a horrible mess. Um, <laughs> see. Uh, this does not help us. Oh, Our title boy. is Bart and the Glove Compartment. What? Is this based on things we said? How do you no. know? This is a completely, Clearly this is a completely, not. A completely randomized title, which must be the a, a Simpsons episode. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Like, so do we have to now incorporate this into our Bring It On Princess story? Yeah. So so, so the girl's name is Bart. Oh, poor girl. That is well, okay, just her so nickname. Maybe her last can, name is Bartholomew or something like that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like, it could be a mean nickname. Well, but that also like maybe sets up a difference in the personalities. Maybe one is a little bit more of a tomboy, is fine, likes to be called Bart rather than like her official name of whatever it might be. Um, it's like Bartholomina yes. or something. Yeah. <laughs> and she just hates it. Uh, and so she goes by Bart. And I think you could set up kind of the difference there between the that character and maybe the other one. That would be really great rivalry. Or she could just have a really small voice like Bart, you know, and they make fun of her for it. That's what they use to, to make fun of her. But the glove yeah. compartment, like, is this what they get back at her by stuffing bad things in her glove compartment, trying to put is- her in there? That's... There's got to be something with that. Is the glove compartment somehow somehow this the heart of the rivalry? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Is there a glove compartment prank? Maybe. Or it's a gang. They start a group calling themselves the glove compartment. And they leave <laughs> secret notes for each other about their next big mission. Is it about being wealthy enough to have nice gloves? <laughs> Hey, there you go. Or maybe it's something that girls say. You can always judge a person by what they keep in their glove compartment. And some, you know, maybe that could be a saying. I don't know. I'm so stuck on the bring it on now. I'm picturing really (laughs) snotty teenagers. So, (laughs) oh, goodness. Maybe it is some sort of a prank or something. I mean, so what we're talking about is somebody loses something or somehow gets some, you know, piece of bad news that like Mm -hmm. changes their fortunes well of course one of the twists in the little princess which we've brought up is that it turns out that um her father actually comes back at the end spoilers Mm -hmm. um and so maybe there's some piece of good news that somebody unwittingly steals out of her glove compartment and Ooh. like an unopened letter or something. And she like, she gets this letter and she's like, I can't bear to open it. I can't get any more bad news. But of course it turns out that there's good news in there. And then somebody, one of the two realizes like, oh my God, I stole this thing from her. And actually this is the thing that could turn her entire fortunes around. Yeah. Yeah. I like that with all the other rivalries being done with the glove compartment. Cause there's so much you could do with that. It could be sure. just one uh-huh. thing and then they keep it going. Somebody puts something stinky in the glove compartment. Someone puts something that makes all the papers and things stick together when she gets pulled over and she can't, you know, oh, officer, I can't, you know. And then we have that ultimate horrible thing that they keep that letter. I like that. Yeah. I like that too, that the the glove compartment becomes part of this. What I want to do is find a thematic connection between the two things now in our title. We have Bart, 
which we know kind of literally what it might mean, and the glove compartment, which we kind of know literally what, what it might mean. But why choose to pair these two together in the title? Do they have symbolic meaning for each of them? I was wondering at one point if like they were they were each reminiscent uh, or alluding to like a secret in there <laughs> that they have. Like Bart is somehow the Australian girl's secret and the glove compartment is the English girl's secret um, oh. or something like some. But I, I want some way of tying these two together, that these oh, are both something for each of them. I don't know. Or that both of them, that it oh. represents the most important thing for each of them or something. What if Bart's the dad's name and that's what they make fun of her about? And then oh. they find out okay. that they find that. I don't know. Is that enough of a connection? No. Could be. I think it could be. I think it could be turned into one. I think you could write it so that to show a little bit the parallels between the two, between Bart in one person is equivalent to the glove compartment in the other, or at yeah. least has similar, evokes similar responses and feelings. Because I'm picturing in Disney movies where you have that aha moment where they finally like, oh, Bart's my dad and you've been making fun of me about it this whole time, you know, and everyone feels really sucky about themselves now for doing that. Maybe she takes on the name Bart in as a specific tribute to somebody and Bart is someone important from her, from her past, whether it's a dad, but someone that she doesn't talk about. So there's a so there's a connection because I like the idea of it both being like both Bart and the glove compartment being used as sort of the mechanism to understand each other more. Yeah. Toward the end, hopefully. <laughs> we are nearing the end. We've got a little bit more time. Um, so, yeah. What, what else have we not delved into that we that we need to make? To, Maybe to it's a it's a code name. It's something she goes by to do certain like some compassionate work or something. And so maybe it's always her glove compartment. So it's Bart in her glove compartment that they, you know, kind of tease. I don't know. I think I think the idea that they're that it's it's something that's a source of ridicule for them and right. that they use to to hurt each other with. <laughs> We're almost there. Like I can feel like just out of like <laughs> You know. It's so close. It's so close. We somehow need a recap because we've had a lot of ideas, but there's not really any fluid. Yeah. So I mean, we have kind story. of a general, I think so much of this depends on the characterization and the yeah. way that it's written. And that's yes. something that you can't necessarily go into in 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think, I think we're starting to find ties with this and starting to find where this connects. Yeah. Before, before I toss it out to our listeners, I want, I do want to, to take a second, see, is there, do we have any other ideas that we want to dig into anything else with this? Well, I think just using our same ideas to put this all together. If you have the girl, and, cause we've been using Bart as the same girl that is the princess character who loses her dad. But what if you have it the separate, the other girl that's the rivalry uh, is the one that loses her dad. Bart is the one that's being made fun of. And then what you're having is maybe Bart is her code name for donating to cancer patients I don't know and her dad dies of cancer or whatever and oh you're helping me oh maybe I should like you like some sort of this is what brings them together I, I think in my brain I was thinking of Bart as the one who did not lose their dad oh okay so, I was so, picturing everything happens to Bart the poor guy so just girl. totally fine yeah um okay but I mean I think that just means that this is this is a, a broad enough description and uh, and even in, in one sense, a broad enough title. Like you can make these two things, Bart in the glove compartment, mean so many different things. Yes. <laughs> um, so I think, I think with that in mind, I think I am going to toss it out to our listeners and say, listeners, I think this is one where where we're not going to be able to get into the the nitty gritty of this 
because it requires a solider knowledge of the characters than we have time to develop. Yes. <laughs> um, so I would love to hear your ideas, folks, for who you think Bart is, which one you think might lose their their father or their wealth, what the glove compartment actually does. We we danced all over and gave all kinds of different ideas. I would love to hear what stuck out to you as you were listening. Um, we'll have our all our contact info at the end of the show. I would absolutely love to hear what this made you think of. Good luck. That sounds hard. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, and so, but sometimes I'll, I'll say a lot of times I'll have somebody be like, so you said that you came up with this idea and didn't even think about this other one. And I'll be like, oh yeah. Oh, duh. Because <laughs> it's, it's only three of us and we only have so many ideas between the three of us. So I would love to hear where anybody else, where this took anybody else. If you instantly had a solution that just, we were just so stuck in seeing it the other way <laughs> that we would never have found it. Okay. So that being said, let's go ahead and transition to our, um, uh, our recommendation section where we'll each share something that we uh, wanted to recommend to our listeners. I just read The Turmoil by Booth Tarkington and I knew absolutely nothing about it and started reading it and ended up kind of falling in love with it. It's a it's a strange little story about the youngest son of a, a business tycoon who is kind of being pushed into taking over the family business and he does not want to. He wants to write poetry. And, and so it's, it's, it's him and his expectations and his father's expectations of him and the romance that develops along the way. And it was one of those books where as it kept going, I just was just finding myself just really loving these characters and wanting to see more of them. So I knew nothing about it going in, but it was definitely one that I would recommend. I had a good time with it. The Turmoil by Booth Tarkington. Awesome. All right. I'm going to toss it to you, Kirsten. What would you like to recommend? All right. I'm going to recommend something that I have been binging on Netflix lately, which is a French series called Lupin, L-U-P-I-N. And um, it's not particularly well known, and it deserves to be because it's one of the best TV series that I've ever seen in my life. Can you spell um, L-U-P-I-N. And it's based on a classic series of French novels called The Adventures of Arsène Lupin. Um, he's kind of like the French Sherlock Holmes. And this gets brought into the modern era. Um, it gets sort of reimagined, kind of similar to the Sherlock TV show. Like, what if this classic character from the Victorian era had access to all of the technology and all of the knowledge that we have in modern times? How would their... Um, how would their methodologies change? Mm. It's got colorblind casting. It's got genderblind casting. It's nice. absolutely fantastic. And it's hands down one of the funniest, most interesting romps of an adventure TV show that I have ever, ever <laughs> seen in my life. I am pretty sure I've read one of the books like ages oh, yeah. ago. But I don't think I even knew that there was going to be a show. So I'm going to have to check that out. I didn't either. And it's it's a Netflix show. It's coming over from Netflix France. And apparently it's so mm. popular that they decided to make it available to us in the U.S. And nice. I am so glad that they did. The one thing I'll say is watch it with the subtitles because the American voiceover is like <laughs> not good. <laughs> not ideal. That's, no. Perfect. <laughs> All right, Carrie, what is something that you would recommend that our listeners check out? So right now I am listening to uh, Becoming Human by Amy Michelle, and she's actually in my critique group. Her Audible just came out, and it's so good. It's read by Tara K. Ross. I don't know if you guys know her, but she does an amazing job at these voices. It has three different perspectives. Again, it's a teen story. We're young adult authors here, but um, she has – it's it's a – 
Carter is one of the main characters whose perspective we get, and he is just this Southern boy. And I love how Tara does his voice. Like, I remember reading this in critique group and was like, I love Carter. I grew up in Virginia. So I just loved everything about him, lightning bugs, catching things with his cousin. But what it's about is um, his dad discovered UFOs when he was little. And so it's about aliens. And the other perspectives are these other two alien races coming to Earth, and they have to be in the form of teenagers to kind of help their own planets. And Carter interacts with them and gets to know them. And so really cute, really fun read. The Audible is just spectacular, the way she does this. One of the aliens is like a very, everything is perfect, perfect and knows like all the different just details and numbers of stuff, how many strands of hair in someone's head and type thing. And so the voice of her is just so cool. It's really cool. So highly recommend it. That's awesome. And uh, listeners of the podcast, if you remember, uh, we had Amy Michelle Carpenter <gasps> on as you? our guest. I didn't a couple- know that. Yeah, her episode just came out yesterday. Awesome. So, or, well, yesterday when we're recording this, not yesterday when this goes out. <laughs> well, perfect timing because the Audible just came out this week, so... Perfect. Awesome. All right. So before we go, Carrie, I want to make sure and give you a chance to plug anything that you want of your own, social media or website or whatnot. Yeah. So I have a website. It's uh, my author name is C.F. Kreitzer because I spell Carrie Mm -hmm. kind of different and Kreitzer is already hard enough to spell. I didn't feel like (laughs) I should do that to people. So C.F. Kreitzer um, is my email, my uh, Twitter, my Instagram, and my website. So once you know, learn how to spell it, you can go anywhere to find me. So my book that has been published recently is Blood Numbers. It was published last year, and it is a YA dystopian sci-fi. And basically, the way I came up with this idea was um, I had just finished reading um, Cinder. So I had just finished reading Cinder and then tried to go donate plasma. (laughs) And when I finished that, Cinder is also kind of a, you know, there's lunar queen living on the moon and all sorts of stuff. And so it was really kind of eerie going into a, I don't know if anyone's ever donated plasma, but you have all these poster children that are like, save my life and give me your blood. And it was kind of freaky, kind of freaked me out. And uh, then my husband started donating uh, to make some extra Christmas money. He's a teacher. And he ran into a bunch of his teacher friends. And I thought, that's so sad that teachers don't make enough money. They have to go donate plasma to, like, afford Christmas. And so that's when the idea started to formulate. What if you had a society who was separated by the need for blood? And so we have this dystopian setting after war, biological warfare. Yes, I wrote this way before COVID. But basically, it's a virus that takes over the earth And it's left with two kinds of people, those who are dependent on um, donations of healthy people with healthy blood uh, in order to survive. And so it kind of follows a Jane Austen type feel of this economic process of instead of trying to get married to make money, though, you're trying to get married to high numbered blood, you know, people with high blood so that you can support yourselves. So And I think it's a romance. I love the romance, but evidently it's kind of freaky in there. It can be found on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or our publisher's website, immortalworkspress.com. 
Awesome. I'll make sure and put all the all the links and all the info in the show description so that folks can find you. Carrie, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. This was a really fun one. This was fun. All right, folks, that is our episode. As a reminder, you can find us every other Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Write This Pod. And if you've been inspired by this episode and have questions or comments or a story or know what's in the glove compartment or anything yes. else, email <laughs> us at somebodywritethis at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks. We'll see you then. And as they say, there's more than one donkey called Martin at the fair.